Well, hello, everyone. It's me, Dave McMahon. I'm back in your face with some awesome conversation, as always. Welcome to my podcast, Unleashed, on 4680Q.ca and 4680Q.com, where we broadcast the show live to air in downtown Niagara Falls. And we are Niagara's only online radio station. Isn't that exciting? Niagara's only online radio station. Once again, 4680Q.ca or 4680q.com. This is episode 32. Oh yeah, time is flying by so quickly. Uh, I would like to send a shout out to Frank Ongaro, a friend of mine who always recommends... um, awesome content for my Unleashed podcast, and today he has put me together with another amazing guest that I'm going to introduce to you very shortly, so shout out to Frank, and a shout out to our sponsor, Niagara Mobile Rust Proofing. Niagara Mobile Rust Proofing, owned by Barry Blanchard. He's a good man. Yes, he also trains his dogs with me. My guest today... Sean Summers. Sean is S-H-A-U-N. Summers only with one M. And Sean got a real good kick out of uh, how I spelled a a word. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, Sean is the organizer of Niagara Bitcoin. Now, Bitcoin is one word. Bitcoin. Sean has just educated me. (laughs) I need all the education I can get, Sean. Yeah, so you must have got a kick out of that when I put... Uh, uppercase B-I-T, you know, and then as one word, and then uppercase C-O-I-N as another word. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, Bitcoin is one word, but there's tons to learn about it. I'm excited to be here today to help you learn a little bit, the audience learn a little bit. We'll see where we go. Yeah, we're going to have a blast. But before we get into uh, cryptocurrency and uh, and talk so much about Bitcoin and and all that fun stuff, uh, a little background about yourself. Uh, Sean, I understand you're interested in jiu-jitsu and martial arts yourself. I am. That, uh, although, interestingly, even though Frank, uh, you mentioned, runs a, a club, a big jiu-jitsu club, I found him through Bitcoin. And only by coincidence did it turn out that we both uh, do jiu-jitsu as well. So, yeah, I've been training jiu-jitsu since about 2018. So Good for for you, yeah. good for you. Love yeah. fun, and you love it. Oh, love it a lot. It's uh, great. Keeps you me go active. consistently. You go once a week. Or? I go. I try to get there two, twice a week. Yeah, so uh, at least twice a week. Three. Is, I mean, I'm getting older, so that's uh, you feel pretty sore in the morning after uh, a good hard roll. But uh, two times a week has been my sort of my average. I now, is Frank your sensei? He is not. No, because uh, he's a little. I again, I only met him. Uh, I only met Frank a couple months ago. So okay, I so you're been, not going to Frank's club. No, no, I had been training with uh, Dayball Jiu-Jitsu. Now, Dayball's been around for a long time. Yes, actually, he's no longer around. So the club has closed. Oh, uh, Jesus! So I know, but uh, some friends of mine, some of the other blue belts, we get together still. We got some mats. We're still. Uh, but I am looking for a new club. So Frank's is right up there on the list. Yeah. Now, Dayball, uh, uh, he more or less studied under. Marcel Poyer from the Black Panther Jiu-Jitsu on Division Street in Welland many years ago. Dayball was a student of uh, Sensei Marcel Poyer from Black Panther in Welland. Yeah, it's crazy how we're all so connected. Yeah. Um, You also have a passion for animals. You own a dog yourself. Sure do. I got an 18-month-old, almost 18-month-old. He's a Labradoodle, Jasper. Jasper Aloysius, we call him. Uh, yeah, he's fantastic. <laughs> now, is he in t- is he an intact boy or is he neutered? He's not. A, he was intact for a year or so, and now he's he's neutered as yeah. cats, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And your training 
with a girl who apprenticed under me to become a professional dog trainer. <laughs> yep. And her name is Karen Fergelli, and she is the proprietor of Over the Rainbow Dog Academy in the Park Colburn area. area. Yes, absolutely. When Jasper's been through. He's a graduate of level one, very proud graduate. Um, he's doing some level two training right now. And uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's doing well. The classes are great. A lot of fun. Well, Karen's got a natural way with dogs and a super good warm way with the people. And she has a huge following. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, she apprenticed under me to become a trainer, I would say, more than a decade ago. And uh, we've maintained a great friendship ever since. Uh, so you're in good hands with, with Karen. Good to hear. Uh, what about music? Any other hobbies? Music? Uh, not for a while. Back in my college days, I played uh, a little bass guitar. Um, did some, uh, you know, in church worship uh, bands and whatnot, but it's been a long time since I've uh, done anything there. Hobbies-wise, I like to study Bitcoin, learn about Bitcoin, do jiu-jitsu, um, listen to podcasts. You yeah, you you love po what podcast do you love listening to the best? I would, honestly, honestly, um, it's going to Unleashed be with you know, Dave McMahon. <laughs> that's the uh, yes, definitely Unleashed with Dave McMahon, which is I've been mostly listening to lately. Good um, coming into here, but uh, no, I listen to some Bitcoin podcasts, things like um, uh, TFTC, um, Once Bitten, a Bitcoin podcast. Blue Collar Bitcoin, wonderful podcast, some firefighters out of California just talking about Bitcoin and yeah. bringing guests in there. So You know, I have a real good recommendation for you. Sure. The Ugly Pike podcast with Frank Ungaro. Yeah, and then would I have to start fishing after that? <laughs> yeah, well, all, sure. all the money going into fishing equipment would not be going into Bitcoin, so that would uh, that really put a cramp in my, my saving plans. Would you say you have an addictive personality? Uh, definitely. <laughs> I, I would think so, yeah. So for me, when it comes to uh, something, I go all in, right? Whether it is uh, back was poker, online poker for a while. I was really into that. Then there was some, it slowed down. Then I got into jujitsu. Now I'm into Bitcoin. Um, some of them I left fall by the wayside tattoos, as you can see, the, the listeners can't see. Yeah. Went deep into tattoos for a bit. Yeah. Um, but uh, Bitcoin, definitely a passion that I think I'm going to have for a while. You're covered with tattoos from head to toe. <laughs> well, I, do, I do think you should put your clothes back on. <laughs> hey now. At least your underwear. Um, yeah, so... What about your educational background? Do you care to comment on that? Sure. Uh, graduate of uh, Centennial Secondary School, fabulous, well in Ontario. Yeah! Home of the Cougars. Um, but from there, I actually went on to uh, Bible College in Kitchener, where I was studying to be a youth pastor. Um, until I found my way to my what eventually became my career, I worked at uh, a youth criminal justice facility just outside of Kitchener. Uh, kind of stopped attending college, so I don't actually have a degree or diploma, but I've been doing that since I was about 19 years old, working with kids in conflict with the law. So right now I work just outside of Welland at a place called the Peninsula Youth Center. The Peninsula Youth Center. That's what we call it. Yeah, and these are wayward youth? Very very wayward. So they've, There's uh, an old term we yes, haven't they are used in some time. In the old days, we called a place like that a training school or yeah. a boys' school, but uh, yeah, no, yeah. we call it a youth center now. Um, no, these are, they've committed serious crimes, something an adult would receive five years in jail or more for. So This is no laughing matter. You no, know, these are the sort of maximum security if someone commits a crime. Here in Saint or Niagara Falls, St. Catharines, Niagara, but also we get kids from all across the world. We've got to do a podcast just on this. We probably could. We I really could. Twenty plus years of stories about that. My God! Now, is this facility where you work at with the Wayward Youth? Is it equipped with a full, uh, nice padded room that you can put them in there to calm down if they start flipping out? No, no, they don't. Uh, there's no padded room if they're they're flipping out. This is out. a thing of the past. The padded room would be a thing of the past. We do have a room that you could lock someone in, but we try never to use that. Last we have, resort. Let the 
very last resort. What we do have to do sometimes is put our hands on people and contain them. So safely stop them from harming others or themselves. I actually train other staff in doing that with uh, something called UMAB, Understanding and Managing Aggressive Behavior. So it's a program um, based uh, by actually a Niagara-based company, UMAB, and uh, I train that for my fellow staff. That is phenomenal. Yeah. I'd like you to come to my school and train my instructors on that as well, in case we run into any wayward clients. Exactly, right? And that then want their money back. ties right in with that, too. So my jiu-jitsu skills, I mean, I tell everyone, everyone in my classes, hey, this UMAB we're doing is great. If you did jiu-jitsu, you'd, you'd do it even better. So try to plug it all, bring it all together. We've got to get you on to talk all about this. And if you want to bring another coworker with you, that would be terrific. Sure. Because I think that there's so much uh, to be learned about that. Yeah, that'd yeah. be great. So we brought you on today to talk about Bitcoin. I know absolutely jack shit about Bitcoin, other than it's an alternative currency. Yep. Of course, back in my day, the old expression, Cash is king. Mm -hmm. Yes, I even had a t-shirt that, that said that. I did too, actually. Did you I really? I used to have a t-shirt that said cash is cash king. Cash yeah. is king. And that was probably something you got in the 80s or 90s? It was in actually... Uh, or just early, last year. Early 2000. So I, at one okay. point, I was also a... day. Uh, have you ever heard of Dave Ramsey? He's a very pretty big in the States, particularly financial... Um, talks Has a financial radio Gordon show. Ramsey's nephew. I don't believe so. I think he's, okay. he might be his uncle. I no. have heard of him, yes. Yeah, Dave Ramsey. So he had a... Uh, so I was a Dave Ramsey trained financial coach, and I would tell people... You that cash is king and I would run uh, seminars hey this is how to handle your personal finances things like that so one of his big things is cash is king so I definitely have moved on from some of his teachings but it's absolutely great you take a look for a financial peace university course running near you if you're at all struggling with your personal finances when folks come to sign their dogs up at the Dave McMahon Dog Academy plug plug in Niagara <laughs> Falls uh, there is a sign right there on the counter cash only mm -hmm. Yeah, we need to add to that. We're sign right beside it says, or Bitcoin. Cash only or Bitcoin. Or you Bitcoin. think I should be... Absolutely. Digital, digital cash is, is even better, I would say. Yeah. 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 And you're going to educate us as to why. I hope so. Uh, as soon as we get around to it. <laughs> <laughs> like we've been talking. Um, yeah, so uh, the very first time I was audited by Revenue Canada, um, the auditor was quite concerned uh, that I only accepted cash and had inquired as to why I felt that, you know, uh, I would only accept that. I was mm -hmm. kind of curious, you know, yeah. and asked it in the form of a question. Uh, why is it that you accept cash only from your clients? And I had responded, I find it a lot more convenient for myself. She said, hmm, that's odd. Most people don't find cash, you know, that convenient. Um, so I said, well, we do. And to date, uh, right to date, uh, we still only accept cash payment. Uh, we do provide a receipt, however, yeah. you know, uh, so it's above board. But, uh, you know, a lot of people put their eyebrows up when you say cash only. Yeah. Right? I, mean, are people, I wonder if people are, I mean, I'm sure the Canada Revenue person was thinking that you might not be entirely uh, forthcoming in paying your taxes. And, of course, we all always pay our taxes, whatever we owe to the government, because we're good citizens. Exactly. Right? Every time. Exactly. Um, and, and and I don't know if that was implied. You know, she was very professional about it. Right. But certainly it was on the cusp of almost going th that way, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, but let's take a look at what are some of the reasons why cash is convenient for you. Number one, uh, when someone brings cash, let's say they're giving you $100, whether it's for uh, one lesson or a, a month, a week's worth, however many 
lessons you're getting. Yeah, like 10 week ten novice weeks, course. 10 week or novice course, $100, yeah. $200. When they give you the money, the cash money, mm-hmm. we know it's no longer theirs and now it's yours. They can't call anyone up, charge it back like they could with a credit card. There's not going to be, if they get, as opposed to giving you a check, a check might bounce, right? Any of, with other things besides cash, you've got a few risks that you're taking, right? Um, you know, what they could, of course, they could say, you know what, Dave, I'm not satisfied. I'm sure this never happens. Could I have my, <laughs> could I have my money back? And, you know, you might be willing to give it back to them, but then it's your money that you're then giving back to them. Unlike with a credit card, you have to wait maybe a month before you're really sure that they're not going to do the dog training and call up and say, Dave never trained my dog or, you know, and get them to reverse the charges, right? So anytime plus, if you're accepting credit card for that $200 of lessons, you're not getting $200, are you? With the, with the credit card, you're paying some percentage to the credit card company. Yes. Right? right. So Bitcoin solves both of those issues. When someone sends you the Bitcoin, the Bitcoin is, once it goes from me to you, it's irrevocably now yours. It's a digital cash. So it's a bearer instrument. As soon as it goes into your possession, there's no way I could ever take it back. Uh, I can't. It's just as much yours as the cash itself. Um, so it's in your possession and you feel it's equivalent in the convenience category uh if as yeah, cash i think so because uh you know everyone's always carrying their phone around these days i would say even more so if we w- stopped anyone walking on the street right now what are the chances they have a phone on them versus 200 dollars in cash yes. we're gonna see everyone has a phone some people will have cash and they might have a little bit but really a lot of people don't carry any cash at all but everyone carries a phone so if they have a way of digitally paying um with their phone or, or you know it's it's secure and very fast instantly right they can send you any amount of money yeah right so it's pretty good i think you know with the yeah. digital cash yeah i'm sure it's more convenient for the payee right when when the client yeah. you know rather than counting out bills yeah so yeah the payer it's going to be faster for them to pay you can't there's no chargebacks there's no fee for you any fee that is paid is paid by the person sending right so that's why um lots of places i think are going to move to taking bitcoin because it really does and there are places in the world where you can buy goods and services bars where you can buy beer with bitcoin parts of the world where you can buy just about anything with bitcoin if you talk about el salvador uh two years ago they became they allow bitcoin to be one of the um official currencies of the country so if you're in el salvador chances are you can pay you can you, you can definitely go to mcdonald's and uh and buy your Big Mac or whatever with uh, Bitcoin. It'll work. Um, Costa Rica. I, my father was just in Costa Rica a little while ago. And while he was there, he went to a coffee shop. I, and I bought him his coffee from Canada using Bitcoin because they accepted Bitcoin. I said, use your camera, use your video camera, look at their Bitcoin. I sent it from Canada to Costa Rica. Yeah. Right. At the speed of light. Bang. 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 Just like cash. Bada boom, bada bang. It's like cash you can teleport if you think of it that way. Yeah, yeah. And so the government, our Canadian government, has a big problem with uh, Bitcoin. Many governments do, unfortunately, yes. Like I said, not, not El Salvador. They're on the cutting edge. They're looking, looking ahead. They're doing what's best for their citizens. Other uh, governments, not so much, because they perceive Bitcoin correctly, I think, as a threat to their control over the monetary system. Um, basically, right now, the government, you have to use their money, right? Even though you take cash, you have to take... You, you accept Canadian dollars, I assume. You'd probably also take American money if yes. someone had it. You'd take both, yes. right? Now, American cash is king and Canadian cash is king exactly. in my place. <laughs> now, the question is, does $100 that you uh, accept 
accepted for training um, 10 years ago, does it buy as much today as it bought 10 years ago? No. Not even close, right? Nowhere near. Now, why is that, right? People don't, people just think, well, prices go up all the time, right? I would, the reason why prices go up is inflation, as we know, definitely a problem these days, um, more and more. And inflation is because the government keeps adding to the money supply, right? One way or the other. They're either printing it, lending it out, or getting the banks to lend it out. They lower interest rates. There's more lending. So the amount of money in the Canadian economy is much higher than it was 10 years ago, 25 years ago. Prices keep going up. Bitcoin, on the other hand, there's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoin. Currently, there's only about 19 and a half million that have been issued. And the next million and a half are going to come out in a be issued over the next hundred years. I've got to ask you, it's fascinating, the whole the whole Bitcoin thing. I'm, I'm learning so much already. Who created Bitcoin? Great question. We don't know. Come on. <laughs> well, the founder, so the founder, the founder so that should be recognized. It should be recognized. So, uh, it's actually someone called who called themselves Satoshi Nakamoto. Maybe you've heard that term name before. Um, back in 2008. Sounds like a Japanese chef. It sounds like a Japanese name, which it is, yeah. I think. Um, but was the person Japanese? We don't know. So, it was pretty we're pretty confident that that was a pseudonym. So uh, someone who was good at computer coding, someone who was uh, good at understanding economics, someone who was good at understanding human nature, um, was studying how to make an electronic cash. Now, people have been looking to make internet money for years before Satoshi made Bitcoin. So ever since, almost ever since the, Bit- that the internet was created, people have wanted to have a way of sending value on the internet, just like we can send emails on the internet, right? It makes sense. We have internet email, we have internet, all kinds of things. Why don't we have internet money? Well, you run into some issues of many, anything that's digital before Bitcoin was also copyable. We can take any picture that we find on the internet, copy and paste, right? We can take any file. You know, back in the day, I don't know if you were a Napster or a, any of that downloading music uh, on the internet back in the, I guess that'd be the early 90s, mid 90s, yeah. downloading tracks. And so stop buying CDs, we can do- digitally copy these things. Perfect copies, unlike when, you know, go tape to tape or something. You don't yeah. no, no loss of quality in a digital copy. So how do we make something that's, that can work as money? Because we can't just have people copy-pasting money, right? So that's where the genius of Satoshi Nakamoto came in. He was able to make an uncopyable digital money. And so in 2000... No counterfeiting possible. No, no counterfeiting possible. Um, because of the nature of the software. Um, so back in 2008, October 31st, he published a white paper saying, hey, I've got this idea. This is Bitcoin. Pretty much, what do you guys think? Published it to the internet, like sort of like, um, I guess it would call it cypherpunks. That's the group that were, they were talking about, some of this cryptography, some of this uh, digital money type stuff. It was published then. And then in J- January of 2009, Bitcoin came online. January 3rd, 2009, uh, Bitcoin started running. Shortly thereafter, someone else was running. So he was running it then. He, he we, and we call him he because we don't know. It was Satoshi one person, two people, a male, female. We just know him as Satoshi Nakamoto, this person. Um, so other people were running it. And in about 2010, he kind of said, you know what, guys? I'm going to back away from this. I got some other stuff to work on. No one's ever heard from him again. We don't know who it was. We don't know 
much about him, really, other than... You think he's watching from a distance? He could be. He could be... And getting a, a real of, kick out of it? There's a bunch of... I mean, there's people... Everyone's got a sort of a I'm theory sure he wishes he was be. getting a kick back out yeah, of it. Yeah, <laughs> well, he, so one of the things that... Uh, reason for that, one of the things about that is early on, the early people who were really early in the Bitcoin... Now, I will say, even today, 14 years later, I think we are still early. We are still all very early in the Bitcoin, which is why it's important for people to, to do some study on it and understand. But the early people who got in really early, Bitcoin was free. If you were running the program on your computer, you could be earning 50 Bitcoin a day or 50 Bitcoin a week. You'd have some of the early people have maybe tens of thousands. Satoshi, we believe, controlled about a million Bitcoin and still has it because we can see, because of the nature of Bitcoin, that those Bitcoins have never moved. So either he has $350 billion worth of Bitcoin today and is just choosing not to spend it. Or maybe he's passed away. Or maybe he's lost control of the Bitcoin. We don't know. So a lot of people would say they think he's, he's passed away or otherwise not around. But he gave us a wonderful gift that it's Bitcoin. Now, is there a brick-and-mortar building headquarters for Bitcoin? Absolutely not. No, Bitcoin is not a company. Bitcoin is not a um, a, a registered group. body. It's, it's not a registered body. It's not a security. Bitcoin, uh, many countries will treat it as a commodity, basically, in terms of um, how it's treated for tax purposes. In Canada, Bitcoin is treated like property. It's a digital asset. Um, it, you, if you own some Bitcoin, it's if it goes up in value and you sell it, you pay capital gains tax. You don't... Uh, so just like similar to owning a stock, however, there is some, or like similar to owning corn or pork belly, really more like because there's no one in control of Bitcoin. There's there are programmers who do programming, but every person who runs Bitcoin, runs the software, is sovereign. I run a big I run Bitcoin, and we call it a node. I run a Bitcoin computer in my house. I don't have to change my Bitcoin to be like anyone else's. I I can choose how to run my Bitcoin, and that way, there's nobody in control. Now, many people choose to run the current version of Bitcoin, and that's, uh, that works well, and it's very valuable. Um, but there's other people have created new Bitcoins by changing it, and theirs is not as valuable, um, and it fails. But It can be confusing for someone that's new absolutely. at Bitcoin. Yes, right. So that's why sometimes you want to start out. I suggest you know buying Bitcoin is, I think, important for people to do. Um, you know, we, Getting yourself a little bit is a great idea, but I think... I, don't, I try not to tell people to buy Bitcoin. I want to tell people to study Bitcoin. Because even today, we've got 45 minutes. Um, we can only scratch the surface of how Bitcoin works, what Bitcoin is. If people do a little bit of study, listen to a podcast, read some books. Um, that's great. But I think getting yourself a little bit, and it's not hard to do, um, is a good first step. Because people are just more likely to want to learn about something that they have a little skin in the game. Right? People might be really interested in dog training and want to learn about dog training, but until they have a dog, they're really not going to put their heart into it, right? Like maybe they, they're planning to get a dog, so they'll do some training, but someone who has no dog and isn't ever going to get a dog is not going to go all in on dog training. No. you got to have a dog, and then you realize, wow, I really need to, to, to learn more about dog training. Uh, in a place like Canada, the United States, people like Bitcoin, and some people are in it to see it go up in value. But we don't need it here the way people do need it in other places, right? Um, places like El Salvador, places like Guatemala, places like South Africa, um, places like Venezuela where inflation, you know, we think inflation bad, is bad here. Places like Venezuela or Argentina, inflation is 100% a year, right? A Big Mac that costs $10 today or 10 for the combo is going to be 20 or $25 next year. So you can't, you can take their cash, but you can't save it. 
because it's being inflated away. The value is being inflated away. So they need to buy real assets. Some of them are buying Bitcoin, right? And that's going to save them, I think. Do you believe that the Canadian government's goal, I'm sure your answer will be yes, <laughs> is to go to a complete cashless society within the next decade? I think they would like to. I think that our... That's going to be tough to do, you feel? It's going to be tough for the Canadian government to do. Do you think that they're fully competent in, in most of the things that they do? And I don't, right? Now, many governments are, are trending that way. There's places in the world you can go and cash is very rare. Um, I think is, it New Ze- is it New Zealand? or New Zealand, I think, is moving that way. I know that I've been to a place like Iceland. Cash is pretty uh, unusual there. Everywhere, yep. everywhere will take ca- a credit card. Um, but I know like a place like Nigeria. Nigeria tried to impose a central bank digital currency, like you're kind of referring to. They said, everyone's got to use that. And people were like, no, we're not going to. It was rejected. People still wanted to use cash. Um, so I think they've had to back off of that, right? So I think that you know your emphasis on using cash is important. We want people to use cash. I think using Bitcoin is also um, really important because if the government really wanted to, they could make your cash worthless by just printing too much, like they do in Argentina or Lebanon. What does Bitcoin mining mean? Ooh, Bitcoin mining. Okay. So this will have to, maybe we'll have to explain a little bit about how Bitcoin works to get yes, you to understand Yes, yeah, let's that. do that first. Okay. So um, imagine, so, I, so one of the examples I sometimes will, will use is um, the example of, of a prison. Okay, because again, I, I do work in a youth justice facility, yeah, right? So it's so, like a prison. So, which is basically a prison for for kids, unfortunately. Now, uh, in, if you can imagine in prison, maybe in movies, they're using cigarettes as money, right? Because people need money in order to facilitate trade. So, money is important. Uh, they're using cigarettes as money. The guards come in and say, "No more cigarettes. They're all gone." All right. Well, now what are they going to do? Well, maybe what they'll do is they'll have one trusted prisoner keep a tab, keep a note, ledger. Dave's got, Dave, when they took all the cigarettes away, Dave had 100. Sean had 50, right? Rick had 25. So we'll just write that down. And as the exchanges take place, we're going to, I'll keep it up, the, right? And so we've replaced yeah. the, so, the yeah. cigarette money with the ledger-based money by the trusted guy. Can we really trust that guy, though? He's a prisoner. He might add to his own and take away from you, or he'll just add to his own. There's that possibility. That's that possibility, and that's what the government does. Our government does that regularly, intentionally. On a much grander scale. On a much grander scale. And remember, their goal is 2% inflation. Okay, Their goal is to debase the currency by 2% a year. The goal is not 1%, it's not 3%, it's not 0%. The goal is 2%, which means that your money is going to get cut in half in its value on purpose in 50 years. And for those that don't know why, the rhyme and reason for that would be? The rhyme and reason for it is because they are overspending all the time. So they have a couple of options to spend their money. Any government government has a couple of options on how to fund itself. They can come to the citizens and say, pay some tax, right? Citizens at a certain... Pay some more tax. Pay some more tax, and we certainly do here in our country. At a certain point, though, people are like, you know what? We're paying an awful lot of tax. We're going to vote you out if you tax us anymore. Government still wants to spend, though. Our government will go into debt... Right? And basically, so does the American government, right? They're trillions and trillions of dollars in debt. Canada is over a trillion dollars in debt, I believe. Right? Which is ridiculous. It's crazy, right? The American, like, both of them can't be repaid. However, what they'll do is by being able to effectively print more money or borrow more money, then they can add more money into the economy, but they get to use it first. Whoever gets to use the new money first gets the full benefit of it before the prices go up. Right? If you have a counterfeit machine in your basement where you can run out $100 bills, you are really rich. 
the person who gets it say, hey, $100, that's great. Over time, the prices of everything is going to go up because there's so many $100 bills into the economy. That's why the government doesn't allow you to counterfeit. They hate competition, right? That's, they will not allow anyone else to do that, which is why... Let the truth be heard! <laughs> that's right. They don't want you... Free yourself with the truth! <laughs> they don't like competition. That's why many governments don't like Bitcoin. Um, they're fighting against it. So, back to our example of uh, in the prison. One prisoner is taking keeping a ledger of all the activities uh, of the things that's going on. Well, we, maybe we don't trust that guy. Maybe everyone should keep their own ledger. You can see how quickly in the physical world that becomes a problem. Everyone keeping a ledger of everyone else's stuff, they're going to, again, anyone could be cheating. It's whatever. not going to match up. It's not going to match up. However, if in a digital world we could have everyone's ledger matching up automatically all the time so that it's perfect. Automated. Automated uh, through the software, then Every, all the ledgers are going to match, right? If anyone tried to spend from a ledger that didn't match, the, the program would say that's not valid. If someone tried to print their own extra Bitcoin, well, no, that doesn't fit. It doesn't, it, we don't know where you got that Bitcoin from. It's, it's, it's fake. It won't work. So that's why no one can send counterfeit Bitcoin. No one can make more because all the ledgers are constantly syncing up with each other worldwide. Has there any been a uh, security breach or some sort of uh, Bitcoin been compromised Good by, by someone or some organization in a terrible way? In a terrible way, I would say no. The Bitcoin protocol itself has never been hacked, right? Um, what has happened is that people who have been managing other people's Bitcoin have been hacked. So uh, the most, maybe the most famous one is Mt. Gox. Um, that was in the, is a Japanese-based um, exchange basically people would send in money and then get bitcoin out they ha and the problem is a lot of people will be like i trust you to hold on to my bitcoin mount gox or quadriga which is a canadian exchange or ftx which blew up last year right that, that was a big one sam bankman freed's in the news right and whatnot they're trusting them you hold on to my bitcoin and i'll give you money i'll buy it from you you hold on to it the problem is people can't always be trusted and there's a huge pile of money there, people are going to misuse that. People are going to dip into the old kitty. dip into it, right? So those th some of those exchanges have been hacked, or there's been outright crime, like in the FTX scenario, where Sam Bankman-Fried was running a Ponzi scheme. And all the Bitcoin's been spent, but I still think my Bitcoin is safe there. When I ask to get it out, they're like, oh, sorry, we're bankrupt. So that has happened. But Bitcoin, the protocol itself, has never been hacked. Um, and it's been running for 14 years, with like uh, over 14 years, with 99.99% .99 uptime. There's been a few short minutes when there's been some bugs discovered. A couple little were, glitches couple here and there. A couple little glitches, but for over 10 years it's been running. And this is, remember, we're talking about a half trillion dollar asset. So there's a huge bounty. If anyone can hack into Bitcoin and, and somehow mess with the cryptography and get yourself some, there'd be the, one of the biggest rewards of all time, but you can't do it. So because of the, the nature of the... Now, do you think a lot of chartered accountants are involved in Bitcoin? Um, I don't know exact. I don't know any chartered accountants who are into it. I think that... Um, because this is an alternative currency and completely different than what they went to school for? It, uh, so I think they will be. I think accounting in Bitcoin is currently difficult um, because of the value does change a little more quickly than the dollar yeah. does. So that is an issue. Uh, yeah, I guess I meant like traditional accountants, yeah, uh, yeah. chartered accountants. So uh, I, actually, I'm sure I've listened to a podcast or two with a chartered accountant on it because Bitcoin, they would say, is sort of a, a revolution in accounting. 
in that it's, it's no longer double entry accounting, it's like triple entry accounting, which is never, sort of new. Um, the idea that not only are you and me balance reconciling, but everybody else on earth is also able to, like the ledger is kept for everything. Um, so it's very, it's very interesting. Everyone has, if, if you're running the Bitcoin software, you have a complete record. So in my house, I have a little computer running the Bitcoin, Bitcoin uh, software. It has a complete record of every transaction that has occurred since 2009. Now, there's no names attached to any of this, right? But it's this big, you could track Bitcoin moved from point A to point B or B to C. But no names Remember, associated with it. There's absolutely no names. It's just numbers, right? Yeah. So in other words, you, Sean, spent this much no, money. certainly it's not in there. When in fact, your income was only this much. Right. This don't add up, Sean. It doesn't add up. Um, we don't want, we wouldn't want <laughs> We're going to have to audit you, Sean. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of Bitcoiners are actually quite, uh, maybe almost paranoid about personal security and, and not like, and privacy is really important to Bitcoiners. Um, uh, that's why, you know, maybe we'll talk about bull Bitcoin, but bull Bitcoin is the exchange I recommend. You can actually, using bull Bitcoin, you can just put in a name, an email, and then you can take cash and fund your account a Canada Post, and no, it, it, of course, it should be your real name, but uh, you could put a name and a email and then use cash, and so it's called no KYC. In banking, KYC stands for know your customer. There's a whole bunch of rules in terms of transmitting money about what kind of information banks have to have. And governments are always upping that because they want more control. If you can buy no KYC Bitcoin, Bitcoin where you don't have to give up your identity, then you have it and... The government doesn't know that you have it. Now, when you sell it, you, of course, pay your capital gains tax because we're good citizens. But if nobody knows you have it, then CRA or anyone else isn't going to come looking around asking for it if the government ever, say, puts in a wealth tax or any of those types of things. And do you believe that the Bitcoin can ever be uh, sabotaged or abolished by our government in some way? Um, I personally do not. You don't no. believe that's possible? What they can do... Some do think that that is possible. Yeah, and I would say that they're and in, you would say that's correct. So yeah. what yeah. any government can do is prevent their own citizens from using Bitcoin, or try to, right? Um, they could say, you know what, Canadians, Bitcoin is illegal here. They could do that, right? China has done exactly that. On multiple occasions, actually, China has said no one's allowed to use Bitcoin. And a couple years ago, because we can't keep track of it, because they're communists, right? There's a communist Chinese like it's a yes. They don't want people to have freedom money, which is what I would say Bitcoin is. They want people tied into. They have a, a surveillance society, a CBDC type thing, social credit score system. That's what they want their citizens tied into. They don't want people to have black market money. So they've banned it there. Now, 20% of the Bitcoin mining still occurs in China, even though it's illegal there. And, wow. Right? So I think it would banning, banning Bitcoin, the government that bans Bitcoin would go just about as well as when they banned marijuana. How's that working out? <laughs> right? Not only did they, is it not illegal anymore, they've joined it. They, you can't beat it, so they joined it. And that's exactly what would happen with Bitcoin. And that's why some forward-thinking governments, El Salvador, are on board with that. And other governments are going to fight it tooth and nail until they have to um, relent, I would say. What's the main difference between the Bitcoin and the NFTs? Well, NFTs are a scam. Bitcoin is real digital asset. It's hard. So I, and a lot of other things, so whether it's NFTs or other cryptos, um, I'm 
run a Bitcoin only meetup. Niagara Bitcoin meetup is Bitcoin only. I'm a Bitcoin only guy. I think my shirt even says Bitcoin only on it. Yeah, and, right? and, and Bitcoin is one word as we've it established sure already. <laughs> yeah. So Bitcoin is the original thing. Everything else is either a copy of Bitcoin, so is in some, and I think is in some way inferior. We can kind of see that by the market price. Other things are sort of outright, I would go so far as to call them a scam, right? So if I create Sean coin and I give, keep myself a million, I give myself a million coins for free and then get a fabulous celebrity like Dave McMahon to start promoting Sean coin. Hey, everybody buy Sean coin. All of a sudden it goes up to being worth a dollar. Well, I just created a million dollars for myself for nothing. And now I'm going to sell all that off. I have the money. You have worthless Sean coins and I'm rich. Everybody else gets wrecked. That's how a lot of these other cryptos work. I think that's a lot of how the other um, NFTs worked, right? There's not, it's not that there's no value in some of those NFTs, but it's like collecting signed baseball cards. They're not valuable simply because they're signed. It's who's like, there's, there's a few variables as to what makes a, a collectible um, worth something. I see at a corner store in Chippewa, sign says Bitcoin for sale. Excellent. Yes. Good to know. You know right right yep. in Chippewa. Yep. In the many, village of Chippewa. The, right. So Bitcoin is many, many places. So what they almost certainly have there is a Bitcoin ATM. And Bitcoin ATMs have been around for a long time. You put in cash, you get out Bitcoin. Right. Um, it's a great uh, way of getting, again, no KYC. So private Bitcoin um, or nearly private Bitcoin, depending on the amount that I've never used an ATM. Actually, it's one of the things I do need to do. The one of the reasons why I haven't is because you do have to pay a pretty substantial fee to, to convert that way. It's in the 15% premium rate, um, on top of what the, the Bitcoin price would be. Whereas on an exchange, you're paying more like 1.9%, right? Now that bull Bitcoin has come out with the cash funding option, I don't see why anyone would use a Bitcoin ATM because you can get um, a great, you pay $3 flat fee for up to $500, $4 for up to a thousand, right? So that's, you know, if you buy in either 500 or a thousand, you're paying a fraction of a percent plus the exchange rate. It's great. And you're getting private Bitcoin that you can hold safely at, in your own, um, in your own wallet. Yeah. Hold, so, hold it safely. So the most um, accessible way for someone who is green and interested in purchasing Bitcoin, the yep. most accessible way, uh, the easiest path for them to take to purchase Bitcoin would be? Uh, what I would say would be to get themselves a Bitcoin wallet and get themselves to bull Bitcoin to get that, uh, to buy some Bitcoin that way. Now, I have just put out a YouTube video on my Sean Recommends YouTube channel where it goes right through from beginning to end how to do exactly that. It gets you started with bull Bitcoin, shows you how to open up a wallet. I recommend Nunchuck Wallet. Um, both bull and Nunchuck are sponsors of our Bitcoin meetup. Do you want to say that? Nunchuck Wallet is a great company. Um, they offer a very a good wallet for your phone that is both simple enough for a new person and has all the features you would need as an advanced user. So I really think you can grow with this wallet because there is simple ways to store Bitcoin and very complicated ways to store Bitcoin. You add complexity, you also add security, right? Keeping it simple is good, but simple is a little easier, um, a little less secure in, in, if you're not careful with how you store it. So you do have to be careful storing your Bitcoin. It is a responsibility. It's not like leaving it at the bank. It's much more like having money in a safe in your house, gold bars or gold coins. You so have to be responsible. 
When I went online to research a very little, little bit yep. about Bitcoin in a very short time frame, um, there's a couple of uh, a couple of uh, things here. The hot wallet, yep. in your words, would be described as? So a hot wallet would be a wallet that is connected to the internet in some way. So if you're using a wallet on your phone, that is a hot wallet. Your phone, if it has data, is always connected to the internet. So... While it is still very difficult for someone to steal from a hot wallet, they'd have to hack into your phone or do something called SIM swapping. It's a little bit higher, more likely to be hacked. Well, it's actually a lot more likely to be hacked than if you had something that is completely offline, right? So a hardware wallet is a cold wallet, and then your your keys are no not online at all. So that's the cold wallet. A cold wallet is a wallet that where your keys safer are, is safer, uh, less convenient to spend from. Right, you you don't, probably won't want to carry your hardware wallet around with you. That's where you're going to store your bigger amounts of money on your phone. I like to say, put on your phone hot wallet what you'd be comfortable carrying in cash. So some people might not be comfortable carrying more than a couple hundred dollars. Some people will be fine walking around with 500 bucks in their pocket. Right? You can actually go a little higher because unlike you know, if you lose your wallet with 500 dollars in it, that cash is almost certainly gone. If you lose your phone with 500 dollars worth of Bitcoin, you can recover that. Um, using the backup system that you can you would set up. So, have you had a lot of friends and family or coworkers get on board with Bitcoin just by listening to you and your honesty and your genuine passion and enthusiasm for Bitcoin? Just by and by me talking about it nonstop all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, by your obsession, <laughs> by your pure obsession, yeah. Sean. So I have had a, a, a pretty good amount, uh, I would say, of family and friends. Not everyone, obviously. So like. Um, people are skeptical some people are skeptical some people it's just not for them right now i think everyone in the end will have bitcoin you know over the next 30 40 50 years but not everyone's ready to be an early adopter right i liken it to, to cell phones right you remember when you got your first cell phone it probably wasn't 1983 when cell phones were it was pretty big it was pretty big it was, it big, was right? the size of a loaf of bread I think. yeah and so you can, re <laughs> you can remember some of your somebody in your friend group probably had a cell phone first he said hey everybody you should get a cell phone and over time, now everyone's got one. But everyone certainly doesn't get it all at once. And I think that's the true with any technology and Bitcoin being no different. People who are in very early, like even before me, I've only been in Bitcoin since 2020. Some people have been in since 2011, 2010. Those people are obviously going to reap bigger rewards, but we're still very, very early to get into Bitcoin. Cryptocurrency is here to stay, yes? I think forever? Bitcoin is here to stay forever, right? We do like to draw a little bit of a distinction between crypto and Bitcoin, Bitcoin is what's going to be around. Some of the other cryptos are going to have already died and will continue you to die. You see holes in their system. Well, there's, there's many holes in the system, right? Most of which is that they're not decentralized, right? So somebody is in control of those. And they could say, hey, everyone, right now there's 100 million Dave coins. Tomorrow, we're going to change it to be 200 million Dave coins. And now they've debased their currency. Whereas Bitcoin cannot be debased. There will not be more than 21 million Bitcoin. And when you, once people really, once that really clicks, and that was what it was for me, when you really understand, wow, there's only ever going to be 21 million, then it really should encourage people to take some action, get, some, get themselves some Bitcoin. Sean, how can people reach out to you? How can they find you? Right. So there's a bunch of different ways to do that. Um, it would be uh, on Twitter, at Sean Summers, or at NiagaraBTC. Um, on the Facebook group, I've made a Niagara Bitcoin um, Facebook group, Niagara Bitcoin Meetup Facebook group. 
as well as um, if you go to NiagaraBitcoin.com, you'll be able to find some content there, um, whether it's my how to sign up video or a way to get a hold of me, they can do that. So anyone who's, I'm always willing to answer questions about Bitcoin. I do help people sort of one-on-one uh, -on -one if they're interested as well. And for recommended reading uh, books, uh, what would you recommend uh, for reading about Bitcoin, Sean? Yeah, great question. The Bitcoin Standard by a man called Saifdeen Amous, A-M-M-O-U-S. That was probably the number one recommendation, Bitcoin Standard. Um, a couple other books I've really enjoyed, um, Inventing Bitcoin. Uh, and there's another one called Magic Internet Money by a guy named Jesse Berger. He's Canadian out of Toronto. Um, really good, just sort of an introductory book, right? And some people, just, they think that's what it is, right? Magic Internet Money. That's what I thought at first. I thought it was, it was a scam. I, I thought it was for nerds. Now I realize well, maybe it is for nerds, but it's also, I think, the future of money. Yeah, phenomenal. Excellent. Uh, thank you so much for educating us uh, about Bitcoin. I know that you could have spoke for literally weeks at a time. Probably true. <laughs> thank you, the listener, for joining me, Dave McMahon, on this awesome podcast called Unleashed that airs live online every Wednesday, every hump day, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time till 11.45 a.m on 4680q.ca and 4680q.com all shows are podcasted and will be available on Spotify and all the other podcast platforms within the next 48 hours so you can listen to past episodes of Unleashed with me Dave McMahon have yourselves a doggone awesome day talk to you guys later thanks see you later Sean thank you very much